the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo with big data and real-time and predictive analytics from the consumer to the enterprise. Learn how to help your organization move in exciting new directions. Here's your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. Today's buzz, government. Ooh, hey, if you're a startup seeking capital, looking for resources, funding, research grants, education, mentoring, collaboration, and more, you might have looked to various levels of government, local or otherwise, for support. So how's that working out for you? Well, the reality is that some governments are helping and others may be, we'll politely say, hindering entrepreneurial communities around the globe today. Who, where, why, how? We might find out a little bit by looking at recent startup-related breaking news on the web. Let me give you a couple of clues, and then I'll introduce my special panel today. Okay, here's one headline. Move over Silicon Valley. Colorado wants your startups. That's provocative. Wasn't aware they were in the mix. Another headline. The bank isn't the only place to turn if you need startup cash. A finance expert suggests a few ways to squeeze some money out of the government. I know that comes with strings attached. Another headline. Startup. So easy, a 12-year-old can do it. That was a story reported by someone who judged a 7th grade entrepreneurial night at a girls' middle school, where else? Silicon Valley, where teams of 7th grade girls, 4 or 5 girls, got together and they created around their own business. Very interesting. And my last headline, the best countries in the world for a startup. Would you believe the names on that list are Belarus, Rwanda, New Zealand, Australia, Macedonia? Are you kidding me? And the U.S. is not in the top nine. I have a panel of experts who are going to speak to these issues of whether governments are really giving startups the support we know they need and we know they deserve. Let me introduce them one by one. They'll be talking to us right away. First up on the panel is Greg Trahan. Director of Business Development at Louisiana Economic Development. And Greg sent me this quote. Government and communities can build the architecture, provide supported resources, and shape policy and climate. But, and here's the caveat, they can't create startups unless they start acting like one. Greg Trahan, welcome. How are you today? And talk to me about your quote, Greg. I'm well, Bonnie. How are you? Very well. What, what's going on here? What are we talking about? So really what I, well, first of all, let me uh, say that I'm with the state of Louisiana. We're the Louisiana mm-hmm. Economic Development, so we work on, uh, on government, uh, Governor General's economic development team. And my, my quote is really about um, the role of government um, from a fundamental perspective, but really saying, you know, asking 
we don't create jobs. I mean, the, our, our agency doesn't create jobs, but our view, our, mm-hmm. our role is really helping shape the environment in which jobs can create it. And we do that by obviously focusing on bettering the business climate. And, and what, I, what I mean by thinking like a startup is not just, not just talking about business climate as some sort of ethereal thing, but putting actual policies and incentives and initiatives in place to help facilitate that. So it's efforts like policy and partnerships and, and really providing support and, and resources. And what I meant by saying thinking like a startup, it's, it's analogous to me to where government is in a position to create something like the chimney, right? You stack the kindling, you douse the whole thing in gasoline, but until someone comes along, i.e. a startup, and actually provides mm-hmm. a spark, you're not in a position to actually create a startup. However, I think you can, you can sort of approximate that. So much of startups is, is organic. And the way, to, the way to do that, I think, is, is this very exciting notion that governments can start disrupting themselves, start thinking like a business, looking internally, liberating data like they've done a great job in New York City and, and Brian Sivak at, at Health and Human Services. And, it, and if a government can look inside and say, where are our inefficiencies? Mm-hmm. Can we essentially crowdsource some of this government? Can we, uh, can we provide some of that innovation? And by the way, when you start doing that, I think you, A, you start sounding like a business instead of a, gov- instead of a government entity. And B, you invite those ideas. You invite that innovation. And, and you know, the, the first time you let that traffic data go and some kid locally decides, well, I can figure this out. There's your, there's your startup. So it, it, it's, about, it's really about providing a climate and being able to speak to businesses and understand what they do. And I don't think you can do that until you really start putting yourself in their position. So that's what I meant by acting like a startup. Great points, Greg. Great kickoff to our topic. So glad you're on board. And you said a couple of key words we're going to talk about later in the show. You talked about disruptive. You talked about innovation. You talked about crowdsourcing, I believe, and thinking like a startup. So let's keep those in mind as we continue our conversation. Now I'm going to turn to your fellow panelists. Tom Souter is the president and founder of MobileGov. I'll spell that M-O-B-I-L-E-G-O-V. They offer cutting-edge mobile solutions that blend academic, academic, innovation and research with proven business methodologies and management techniques. Tom is a previous guest on one of our other Game Changer shows. And here's Tom's quote. Let's talk to him in a minute. He says, the Pentagon, the world's largest office building of its time, was built in 18 months from concept to implementation. Now, here's the reality check from Tom, now it takes the Department of Defense an average of 18 months to develop a policy memo? That has to change. No kidding. Tom Souter, how are you? Welcome back. Talk to me. Yes, uh, good to be on the show again, Bonnie. Thank Uh, you. Well, I've I've had a little experience with this. This is my second startup and dealing with the federal government. I live, we have something called the Beltway and inside the Beltway. The Beltway is a uh, 495 that circles Washington D.C. and when we mm-hmm. think of inside the Beltway, it's it's all this kind of cloak and dagger insider things <laughs> that you would think of lobbyists, separate rules for government, and uh, you know I was looking up the Wikipedia definition of this, and it says it's opposed to any interests and priorities of the general U.S. population. So I would say that if you want to do work with the federal government, it's you've got to really understand it, and unfortunately, they're making it. It's, it's really hard. You shouldn't really have to understand it, how the, the mechanics of operating this in this environment are, are, you know, what you need to do there. So just some of the things that I've seen uh, that are problem, problematic for small business, 
you know, uh, you know, you think, well, I want to go get a loan from the Small Business Administration. My experience with SBA and some other agencies are that, you know, they don't. Most of these officials have never ever actually worked for a business, so they don't understand what go, it takes it, you know, to, to, to run a business, to develop mm-hmm. the business, what might be an actual good business. So it's really hard to go to this agency and, and pull some money out of them. And as a matter of fact, uh, funding, you're probably better off going with a commercial bank, a small business, small business bank, or you're going to spend a lot of time, you know, spinning your wheels with these kinds of things. So there's lots of special instruments um, for doing business with the government. You know, they have this thing called the GSA schedule where you can put your your goods and services on on uh, with GSA. Of course, there's lots of rules around that. If you're doing commercial mm-hmm. work, you have to get best pricing to the government. And then there's uh, lots of other places. They even have this housing and urban development zone designation that if you're working in a rel- you know, a poor area relative to an area, you get a special designation so you can go for special contracts. Of course, there's lots of rules around that. Uh, one of the areas that I think is, is, is good for an innovative small business, especially in the world of security, uh, I do think that the government leads in that area. You know, we might not be, uh, you know, leading in some other areas. You know, we built satellites that, you know, provoke, you know, have a GPS. I don't think we're mm-hmm. doing so many things like that. I think we're more in security. But there are some small innovation research grants that you can get if you have some kind of innovative technology uh, through the Department of Homeland Security or, um you know, through like Incutel, which is an arm of the CIA. So there are some areas there that are niche that I think you can have better success than just general. I'm opening up a business, and I want to do business with the federal government. Thanks for those insider information tips, Tom. I have a question for you before we turn to our third panelist, Mark Narona from SAP. Question, Tom, is how long is it going to take the DOD Department of Defense to crunch that policy memo development time from 18 months to, well, the rest of us in real business, excuse me, are expected to develop a memo, what, in an hour or maybe a week or maybe 20 minutes? So 18 months, Tom, really? What's the prospect? What's the, what's your prediction on how long it's going to take them to get real? Well, I think we're seeing some, you know, some, some improvement. Uh, the DOD has implemented uh, they're a little bit behind, but they've, they've done a pretty good job implementing a mobile policy and following that with we're allowing devices other than BlackBerry on the network, and that's supposed to be done by the end of the month. I think it took them about a little bit more than 18 months, but maybe about two years to go from policy to implementation. So I think I think there is some innovation there in, in pockets, but uh, you know I think I think it's just you know spotty. Long time coming. Okay, well, maybe there's hope. I hope so. And thank you, Tom. And let me turn to our third panelist waiting patiently. Mark Narona is the America's lead for startup engagement at SAP Startup Focus. Mark is also a return guest. Welcome. An interesting segue from what Tom Souter talked about the Beltway. Mark is quoting our President Barack Obama. There's a very interesting quote here, and it is, after all, Innovation is what America has always been about. Most new jobs are created in startups and small businesses. Welcome, Mark. How are you today? Good. Thanks, Bonnie. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for talk to me, the president. Nice to see Barack Obama quoted here on Startup Focus with Game Changers. And, and uh, what's your perspective on this? Well, uh, just drawing from uh, President Obama's perspective here, uh, we firmly believe that 
exactly what he's saying. I mean, our whole ethos uh, about around innovation and you know the role that uh, it plays in the American economy. Um, that's the reason why startup focus is here, not just in America but globally. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, startups are what drives innovation, and we see a lot of that in the enterprise today, of them trying to uh, bring that startup culture into their large enterprises. But very interestingly, um, we're also seeing a lot of that sort of thinking in governments, governments which traditionally have always been about stability, um, you know, when you step back and think about it. Um, But they're also acknowledging the fact that there's something that they could learn from startups, uh, sort of to Greg's point, um, Mm -hmm. and trying to bring that culture of innovation within government. And there's various different, I mean, there's so many different examples of it um, that I take up the whole show. But just to share with you something very recent. Please. That, um, you know, we're, we're, uh, we've find ourselves associated with is, for example, what the city of San Francisco is doing, where they've just launched a entrepreneur in residence program, which is driven out of the mayor's office. And their whole intention is to use the city um, as a place where startups can find the opportunities for better citizen engagement, uh, optimization of processes, uh, cost savings, efficiency gains, uh, all within government departments in the city. Um, and they expect to scale this across various cities in the Americas and hopefully globally as well. Uh, so that's just one example. I mean, there's, there's so many examples of government funding that is available, and I kind of agree with Tom's point that it's not as great and as seamless as we'd like it to be. But the fact is that that funding is available. The U.S. government is actively making uh, funding available to startups and small businesses to drive employment and to you know, seed this culture of innovation. So I think from our perspective, we see this as a, uh, as a huge opportunity for startups and it's something that we expect a lot more activity in. Thank you, Mark. Good perspective and a lot of optimism in what you shared. I'm going to ask you one question before we head to our break. But the question is, Mark, we often ask on this show and on all of our other game game changers shows, we talk about disruptive, we talk about innovation, we talk about making changes that are game changing in many industries, in many verticals, in many niches, types of businesses from startups, which we're talking about today, all the way up to what I like to call the big behemoth enterprises at the, the tip of the iceberg of what business has achieved today all over the world. And the question is, where does the responsibility lie? So I'm going to turn that question to you back to your quote about President Barack Obama. If we look for our leaders in the C-suite, quote-unquote, to be representative of that change, to instill that change, to instill that ethic in their companies from the top down, do you think that President Barack Obama's attitude and what he said will trickle down more effectively with him at the top right now? Mark, what's your thought? I'm not asking you for a political statement, but what do you think? Is this like the C-suite going down into the organization? Uh, yes Maybe. and no. Yes, <laughs> in the sense that if your leader is all about innovation and a culture of innovation, mm-hmm. the chances are very, very high that the organization is going to end up trying experiments, trying to be innovative. Um, and therefore, that is definitely one of the major, major positives when you're trying to create an innovation culture. Um, on the other hand... Um, there's a reason why leaders are chosen. It's because they're perceptive, they listen well, they see mm-hmm. what's happening in their teams, and they pick up good ideas. Therefore, 
there is a responsibility within the team itself in any in any context enterprise government small business startup there's always a responsibility that lies with the team that if it's a good idea and you think it's the right thing to do share it because chances are that someone in the c suite is going to hear it is most probably going to think it's a good idea as well if it really is and is going to then figure out ways and means of making that happen so i think the responsibility lies both with the leaders and with the teams Great perspective. Thanks for the reality check there and being patient with my question. Guess what? We're talking today, and this is going to be a very interesting and I hope eye-opening conversation. We're talking about startups saying to governments, what have you done for us lately? We're talking today to Greg Trahan from the, the Director of Business Development at Louisiana Economic Development. We're talking with Tom Souter, the President and Founder of MobileGov. And we're talking with Mark Nerona, the America's Lead for Startup Engagement SAP Startup Focus. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP. It's Thursday, January 23rd. OMG, is the month really almost over? We are live here on the Business Channel. Got a lot more coming for you. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. When we come back, we're going to dive into which governments are helping, which are hindering, and what is happening in the various startup and entrepreneurial communities in the U.S. and around the world. My panel is ready to share their expertise with you. We're going to take a break. Mike out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. In today's globalized world, the competition for customers and marketplace has never been fiercer. Emerging technologies, especially those like big data, can help level the playing field and enable everyone from established enterprises to nimble startups to radically change the status quo. The bottom line, if you embrace technology, you can innovate your way to success. Big data is changing the way we live our lives and do business. Learn how with Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. With new companies like yours competing aggressively for top customers, your strategies and tools must level the playing field and position you well against your larger adversaries. Today, you are faced with global competition for both customers and talent that will drive your business. The bottom line, you need to define what's going to set you apart, and you need to embrace innovation in every facet of your company and your brand. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Startup Focus with Game Changers. 
and we're back. Today's topic, startups to governments. What have you done for us lately? Which governments are helping? Which are hindering? Are they in the U.S. the most helpful or not? Where are they around the world? We've already decided that there's a best countries for startup list we found out. Thanks, courtesy to Michelle Hickey, for bringing that to our attention. And the countries range from Belarus and Rwanda to Macedonia and New Zealand. Australia's in there. Wow, what a list. And, you know, and Singapore, uh, Hong Kong's on there. But guess what? U.S. is not in the top nine. I'm speaking today to a panel of experts on this topic, Greg Trahan, uh, the Director of Business Development at Louisiana Economic Development, that's a long title, Tom Suter, President and Founder of MobileGov, and Mark Narona, America's Lead for Startup Engagement at SAP Startup Focus. Greg Trahan, let's kick off our roundtable. We're going to go straight through for almost a half hour, so guys, take a deep breath, and here we go. Greg, you sent me a couple of interesting points before the show I'd like to use to start this part of the segment of Roundtable. You say the resources and support that government offers startups should be the same it offers to all businesses, great services. You also added business climate, in quotes, shouldn't just be economic development speak. You need to mean it. So let's kick off from there. Greg Tahan, go ahead. Sure. Uh, Well, I think it speaks a lot to what Mark and Tom said, uh, really highlighting various facets of the same issue. uh, and, And, you know, Tom hammered it home by saying, uh, look, there are people within within government who have migrated to government who have never worked for uh, for the private industry, so they don't understand the unique needs. And by the way, vice versa, right? There, there, the government has needs, has demands. There are people who are, um, you know, trying to be faithful stewards of taxpayer dollars, uh, and, and they have they have demands too. And and sometimes it's it's hard to to reconcile those two. I think one of the most uh, important things here is is really um, again talking about business climate, and I think a lot of people use it in an, in a very uh, marketing term, but it has it has very real and serious policy implications. You know, you you, you talk about sort of this this list of the the greatest countries in the or, uh, mm-hmm. greatest places to start a um, a startup, and and what was interesting, I, I happened to look at the methodology there, and one of the methodologies is is access to electricity. And that's weighted just as equally as getting, getting access to capital. <laughs> Thank and and you. so on some, in some ways, it, it's kind of funny to, well, okay, Rwanda makes a list, and, and I don't know how, I frankly don't know how access to electricity is in Rwanda. But, but the point is that those are very real business climate, quality of life elements, right? It's not just, hey, we're open for business. And I think, I think that has really... Um, What's very exciting about what happened, what's happening in Louisiana right now, and I can speak personally, is is, mm-hmm. this, is, is an adoption of, of of tone, which is we are very much open for business. We want all businesses to thrive and flourish here, right? Because it's it's not just about getting a business here or attracting them with fantastic incentives, which we have, but more importantly, it's if you can if you can exist here and not just not just move here or expand here, but thrive here. That's really where jobs come into play and that's that's our that's our charter that's the prism through which we uh we view all of our efforts and and so what we try to do in our incentives and in our policy and really in our approach is very um i don't want to say concierge but it's 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 almost consultative it's right there are the mm-hmm. incentives and they're there there are financial mechanisms that any any startup any technology company wishes to use they can take advantage of but most importantly it's what do you need right do you need talent do you need help with facilities do you need help um 
you know, uh, do your execs need help relocating? Do your people need help finding schools? Or, right? What resources do they really need? Uh, because, it's, it's, again, it's not just about sort of the incentives. It's about that, that quality of life and, mm-hmm. and uh, for companies, you know, that talent, not only finding the talent, but the talent retention. And so, it sounds like a welcome mat, Greg. It sounds like the welcome mat is out. Startups welcome. Could you? Could we put it that simply? Absolutely. And and really, I would characterize some of the policies I've seen in other states as as adversarial, right? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's the government by design in some cases. And, and Tom made a point of this. I think SBIR, which you mentioned in in one thing, is is very interesting. But there are some programs that are just sort of built for you to slog through, right? And that's, yeah, right. that's not that's not really that's not really productive. And, and I, the point, I guess the point is we view startups, or, or I personally view startups as, as critical to establishing, you know, this uh, technology ecosystem. Uh, but I don't, they're just as important, you know, as the SAPs or the IBMs of the world in terms of, in terms of business climate, right? I think government is just a poor proxy for, uh, for approximating some of the great resources that startups have. But government should definitely be putting incentives that are flexible enough to help everyone. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, be speaking to them all equally as saying, look, we, we want you here and we want you to succeed. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of that picking winners and losers. But it, it's mostly about just being very realistic and being uh, open to speaking to companies and, and understanding what they need and then responding via policy and services. Greg, that's the bottom line is we want you to succeed. Tom Suter, I know you have something to say on this. Why don't you chime in? Yes, yes, I do. I think we need to bring uh, Greg inside the Beltway to D.C. Um, you know, I think, that, I think that the thing that we're lacking at is there's not a comprehensive look at how to help a small business. And I know the administration is trying to do this, but there's so many different agencies that affect small business. And there isn't some smaller agency or some overlay to you know, uh, go right, go to a small business to help navigate all that. I think just having somebody in charge of business development sounds like a pretty good idea to me. I don't think we have anybody in the government that's business development for small business. Interesting. Mark, you want to chime in? Because I want to go in a different I want to head to Colorado with all of you. But Mark Narona, anything you want to add to this point about our Washington uh, welcome mat or not for startups, the, the tangles, the snares, the slogging? Mark? Well, Yes, and I mean, and I think both Greg and Tom bring up, you know, good points with regards to some of the things that are challenges for startups when it comes to real access to tangible, uh, to tangibles, for example, funding, for example, understanding processes that are in play. But I'd also like to talk a little bit about the other thing, which is the lang- a common language, um, mm-hmm. which is if startups allegedly speak the language of innovation and government finds it doesn't come across as being the epitome of innovation, then how can we evolve a common language? And what we're seeing is experiments where there is, uh, with some governments, um, a desire to create a common language, a desire to create a public-private partnership based upon that language of innovation. So governments seem to be looking in um, to themselves and saying, we want to innovate, we don't know how, so why don't Mm -hmm. we let you in so that you can teach us how to innovate. And we're seeing those sort of programs being successful, or at least you know, showing signs of being successful. Uh, and maybe that's one of the other things, is that as we make it easier for startups to understand and engage with existing government processes, we may also want to figure out a way to take something that is an inherent advantage and a characteristic of a startup um, 
and apply that to governments, that governments start addressing the problem in a common language, something that startups are comfortable with. Um, We're seeing a few successes in, in, in that area as well. Thank you, Mark. I want to move this over to Colorado a little bit. I'm going to say rip from the headlines. Here's the headline. Move over Silicon Valley. Colorado wants your startups. Let me read a short paragraph. I'd like you to all comment. Question is, why are so many entrepreneurs coming to Colorado? Answer, Colorado is currently one of the most attractive and lucrative places to do business, particularly if you are launching, running, or growing a startup. In fact, built in Denver's 2012 Colorado Startup Report, I didn't even know they had that report, showed that last year in Colorado, we're talking about mostly Denver and Boulder, 122 startups launched and collectively raised over $502 million. Uh, Mark Nerona, SAP Startup Focus Program, I'm going to ask you to comment. Is that a lot, 122 startups in a year and $502 million? Why don't you start this ball rolling and then we'll get Tom and Greg involved. Go ahead, Mark. Well, in, in terms of Silicon Valley standards, no, it's not. Okay. And uh, when you do look at the fact that how often do you think of Denver or Boulder as a place where there is one of the highest distributions of startups per capita, um, I think that's when you start realizing what the revolution really is all about and what's really happening out there uh, in these cities, which maybe we don't even know about. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, that's what makes this number really significant. It's not, it's not the amounts, it's not the, the absolute number of startups. It's the fact that it's happening, and it's happening in a place like Denver and Boulder and um, the startups mm-hmm. that are being born there every day, good startups, they're getting attracted by the various, uh, the availability of talent, they're attracted by the balance of life, attracted by um, how easy government mm-hmm. is making it to do business out there. They, I mean, that's truly an example of welcome, uh, the welcome mat for startups. So yes, in, in, when you think about it that way, it's definitely significant. Good, and they have electricity. Who else wants to? Jo- I'm sorry, I had to do that. <laughs> well, who else wants to join in on this? Greg, you have something to say about Colorado? Thoughts of re- relating it to Louisiana? Sure. So, uh, you know, if you if you look at what uh, Colorado is doing, uh, you know, sort of the, the built-in Colorado that that rubric under which they're they're pushing this, which um, you know, I think I think is is uh, it's comparable to sort of again to, to harken back to New York City, the made in made in NYC kind of brand. I mm-hmm. think you're going to start seeing that uh, from states. We, uh, Louisiana, obviously, is, is actively trying uh, to do that and really trying to be, um, you know, one of these places, a significant player. Um, and and I, think, I think what's interesting about Colorado's effort, if you look at uh, COIN, right, which is their innovation network, it's really, it's sponsored by the, by the, by the government, by their economic development group, but, but the steward really steering that entire operation is not government. Right, it's it's mm. it's a public-private partnership. Uh, it's it it really is trying to pull in everything from from industry to higher education, and uh, and it seems to be it seems to be working. I will tell you that that part of the um, part of what we're we're trying to do is is uh, is is much the same. You know, it's it's really based on on pointed incentives, and and I'd be remiss, obviously, if I did if I didn't mention what it is that that we're really trying to do. Um, and it's essentially for, for a company, for a startup or a technology company operating business within Louisiana, it's a, it's a 35% rebate on payroll. Mm. So it's, it's significant. And for, for startups, it allows, there's a, um, there's a provision in there that allows them to receive the dollars monthly. In other words, uh, approximate cash flow. 
And so that's a, that's a policy decision, and in concert with that, what we've done is we've spent the last couple of years going around the state talking to all the university stakeholders to say, look, this is an active, aggressive effort. Uh, we really want to do this, and we've got to be all on the same page. I, I, it's sort of a um, – I wanted to ask Marv if he meant Esperanto, right? He was talking about sort of this common – this common language between between us all, and and really, I just think success is 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 it is if you can you know you can find a way to get the universities involved, you can write good policy, uh, you'll start to see results everywhere, like what what Colorado is seeing, and and uh, and we're very aspirational in that regard. It's exciting to see. It is, and good point. And I mentioned in my intro, and I know Tom wants to say something, that there is an entrepreneurial program at a girls' middle school in California, in Silicon Valley, where the kids are doing their own startups, getting funding, writing the business plans, etc. So if we drill it down from the university level, as you mentioned, Greg Trahan, down into high school, middle school, little kids thinking about what would I like to do and how do I put it together, and that's part of the initial learning process, building really from the ground up. We'll have people thinking that way. Tom Suter, you want to comment? Yes. I, I think a lot of the success of uh, Colorado is the fact that the state government, California, is not very conducive to uh, business. Uh, they've been Their taxes are very, very high. Now, Silicon Valley is still the innovation capital of the world. That's where you get all your money. But I think it's a lot lot better business climate in Colorado. I think we're seeing that, and it's, it's an exodus from California. Uh, my developers tell me that the legalization of pod has helped too. No, I'm just kidding. I just made that up. <laughs> in the news. In the news. <laughs> yeah, it's in the news. Um, but I, I like the p- idea of a public-private partnership. I started this thing called the Advanced Mobility Academic Research Center, and you know, it's pulling technology out of out of the universities and marrying them with the federal and state and local government. I think is uh, you know, in different industries, that's a great way to to get that, that cycle going. And you go back to STEM. We, we're lucky enough in Virginia, we have this high school called Thomas Jefferson. It's the number one, just came out, it was the number one high school in, mm-hmm. in America. And they really foster, you know, technical, you know, technical ability and linking, you know, for companies, linking to high schools. I, I mean, fantastic people. I had three interns last year from TJ and they were brilliant, you know, and they're going to, they all are going to Ivy League schools and probably going to do some pretty great things, including starting companies. Very exciting. And speaking of, somebody mentioned the word partnership. I want to bring something else here into the mix. Uh, I'm, I became aware while researching the show of something called the Startup America Partnership. I don't know if you're, I'm sure you're all aware of it. And let me just read a little from their website. I pulled a couple stats on, I just took a sample of four states. Let me throw these out. Uh, their, their motto or their logo is being a member of Startup America means you believe that thriving entrepreneurial communities lead to a strong economy. Join us in reshaping American entrepreneurship. But I pulled statistics for the following. Startup Group in California has over 2,000 members. They have over 23,000 employees in these startups, 57 startups to be exact. Annual revenue is, um, let me see now, I think we're in the $1.5 billion range. Let's scale it back a little. Go to Startup New York organization has a little over 1,000 members who have 
8,200 employees, so that's about, oh, a third of the number in California, 56 startups, but almost the identical number of startups in the group, but so many fewer employees. And their annual revenue is just a little shade over $350 million, nothing close to the $1.5 billion of those 57 members in California. Let's go down to Colorado, because we talked about that, 490 members, so we've split the New York number in half. 4,000 employees, we split the employees in half, but they have twice the number of startups. Do that math, 94 startups, annual revenue, little shy of $250 million. And then let's go down to North Carolina. I don't know why I picked it. 389 members, 3,000 employees, 40 startups, and the annual revenue is a little over $140 million. So any comments on, we're talking about governments and state and local levels. Uh, what does this mean? Does this mean that the people in those those uh, groups in the Startup Part America Partnership have a better grassroots organization, or do you think it means that their state governments are more conducive with what we call the welcome mat? Uh, Mark, you want to take that? Yeah, Bonnie, uh, it's an interesting question in the sense that I wouldn't, I wouldn't go down the path of better or worse. What I'd say is that okay. it, it is a grassroots movement, and that's most probably why there's the distinct possibility that this is going to end up being a success, okay, just mm-hmm. because it's a grassroots movement. There seems to be, uh, as a result of our common collective understanding of the, uh, and, and the impact of this recession, this, this whole debate around education, science, STEM, all of these things, there's a, there's a very fundamental grassroots movement around innovation and entrepreneurship, and it's happening all over uh, America, and frankly, it is happening all over the world as well. And with this mm-hmm. particular movement, it also seems to reflect the relative maturity of startup ecosystems across the U.S. So it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that um, the revenue numbers uh, around California are you know the ratios of those to those in Colorado or New York are the way they are. Um, okay. What will be very interesting to watch, however, is how they will change over a period of time and uh-huh. whether the rate of growth or the rate of uh, employment generated will start spiking uh, in places other than California. And if that does, then that would be really, really nice to see because we already know that California is setting the standard um, and the Silicon Valley is driving that in many ways. Uh, and that's great. It's it's not going to change. We don't want it to change. But what we want to see happen is these movements take root and take off in the other states. So mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's a great uh, opportunity, and you know, uh, we'd love to support it. Thank you very much, Mark. Tom, Greg, I'm sure you have an opinion on this grassroots idea. What do you think? Uh, this is Greg. I'll I'll go first. I think mm-hmm. you know. I think the the numbers are. I think it's interesting. Um, but what I would keep in mind, what I, when I look at those numbers, when I look at Startup America, one of the things I think is, uh, first of all, it's, that's in a vacuum, right? It's, it's, a simple, it's a simple index of number of startups and, and mm-hmm. dollars. And so it, it's not related to potentially the rest of the state's economy. So I'm not really sure that it gives you a, a, a holistic picture of exactly what that means, right? That's and, fair. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, I think startup activity for startup activity's sake is, you know, it sort of is what it is, right? It has the potential to generate a lot of light, but not a lot of heat. So if you had, <laughs> if you had 20 people who had all sort of done startups and, or, or everyone 
every there were twenty startups and they were all at like a keg party or something like that. They're standing around. Um, you know, there you have quote unquote twenty startups. I think what's most important, uh, what what is most important to me um, when I look at this is is really the jobs and the revenue, right? Because the jobs yes. suggest, look, these are creating actual, these are contributing to the economy, and the revenue is is really uh, is a measurement of how successful they are and how successful they will be. Right, because the the interesting thing about startups is, uh, you know, you can you can join them, uh, you can start them, but even if there's a lot of activity, a lot of them will fail and or be acquired, and and so it's great to have that innovation. But for an economy, for a state economy, I don't really know. You know, I, I wouldn't want an entire state economy sort of predicated on that. You you need you really need diversity. You need size. You need all various levels of, of maturation. So I think it's I think it's an it's an interesting snapshot of, of startup activity and don't get me wrong. I would love, you know, we definitely want our number to be higher because we w- we want to be a player in that space. We think we can be. Uh otherwise, you know, we wouldn't be pursuing the effort. Uh but I would also I would also say that that you know, one of those important things you can do with with policy is make sure that again it just applies equally to everyone and 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 uh and, and start looking at ROI around some of those dollars right VCs expect it and I think it's probably fair for people to expect it from government in some ways Thank you, Greg. Tom Souter, I want you to talk about the SBA. I know traditionally when people think of small business, they think of the government organization that bears that name, the Small Business Administration. What is it like today? What's the health? How easy is it or hard is it to get any kind of collaborative support, to get money? What's going on with the SBA? Can you give us a snapshot of that, please? Yes, I think they... I think they need a lot of work. <laughs> okay. I just Let's I don't talk. think I I kind of had in my opening talking points. I think that the they're so disconnected and the average employee, I don't know how long they've been there, but it's really let's put it this way, it's pretty close to retirement. But I I just just the bureaucracy and they're not using the latest and greatest systems. I think they uh they're they're some of the issue. And then they have all these designations that they manage that are uh, you know, if you're an Alaskan native uh, company, that means you have one of you have some Alaskan native blood in you. You have a special set of rules. You can get some set asides. Um, we have one one designation that's kind of come into the news lately is the service disabled um, designation, mm-hmm. where if you served in the military and you were injured. Um, you know, you get some special benefits. You can bid a contract and, and basically sole source it or have limited, limited, th- limited things. But the Small Business Administration, they don't really enforce it very well. So there's a case that they did actually enforce where, um, you know, this gentleman got hurt when he was in high school in a, in a Navy ROTC program, played football in college, and then mm-hmm. came out and said he was service disabled because he got, you know, he broke his ankle in high school. So they they they're not very good at it 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 you know having they have rules and then they don't even enforce them so it's a disadvantage to other small businesses that are trying to compete that don't have those designations so they you know I, I think they get kind of get forced to do some of the things it's Congress says hey we have to have a service disabled veteran contract but they do a poor job monitoring that and uh, you know they they're in need of an overhaul in my opinion. Okay, interesting. Greg Trahad, do you have any comments on the SBA? Anything you want to add about our federal government in terms of startups today? 
Well, I, honestly, I don't know a lot about the SBA. I, I uh, you know, I spent um, enough time talking to, to federal contractors to know uh, exactly, you know, the kinds of set aside that, that Tom's talking about. Everything from minority owned to woman owned, and and uh, in some cases, I think you see, you know, you see businesses. If I were starting a federal contracting business, I would, you know, I would make sure that I had all of those uh, those people. Um, in my organization, because it would help me capture contracts. <laughs> How to build a team? How to build a winning team? Right? Go to the right. SBA, and, SBA and I mean, classifications and just represent everything. Hit every right. quota. Right. 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 Our, our our organization photo is all taken in wheelchairs. Right. I mean, it's, it's, oh, 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 it's, oh. No, I mean that. I know. I'm. I'm. It's terrible. But but what I mean. You didn't is, say that. What yeah. I mean is is in terms of. In, I, I want to get back to what uh, what Tom yes. said, which is. Look, he's talking about set asides, and again, it's, it's sort of the point that I've made a couple on a couple of instances. Which you need to, it needs to be equal. You need to be talking to startups. You need to treat startups and demand from startups the same sort of, um, you know, especially in terms of government dollars, the same sort of responsibility that you would talking to a well-established company. And 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 again, just being that's, I, I just think that's good policy, where you can you can fund these, you can fund these enterprises, you can fund these entities. Um, and, and provide dollars for them, but you really need to be, um, you know, l- treating them the same because because ultimately they're they're both going to be contributing to your economy, and uh, and I just think it's important to, to you know um, uh, I, I think intentions sometimes get in the way, uh, and and that's it. Okay, thank you. And quotas get in the way too. Uh, we're almost at break. We got four minutes left. Mark Narona, I want to want to uh, focus on something new quickly here. I'm going to read you something I read before the show and see if you can answer it from the perspective of your work with our startup focus program at SAP. the The comment is: an early stage startup may relocate nationally or internationally. We're talking about global startups today to get government funding and support. But what's going to keep them? Where they get that support, once they've been funded or government funding runs out or they get successful, they say, hey, take the money, take the success, take the jobs and run somewhere else. And in other words, if you, you help to foster them and grow them and then they say, bye-bye, mom and dad, we're going somewhere else. So any comments, any thoughts, what you've observed in the Startup Focus Program in terms of these startups moving along? What do you see, Mark? So I think the... Uh this is this goes directly to that point of you know a public private partnership uh, and we've all mm-hmm. talked about it in different ways and yes there is a point at which funding runs out i mean there's uh, it doesn't just apply to government programs it applies to any early stage funding there's a point at which an, a seed stage funding organization will look for that particular startup to get a series a and you know they exit out and we've seen uh, governments do that. Um, they're not very clear about um, the journey beyond the point at which uh, funding runs out, and maybe that's mm-hmm. an opportunity area to improve. Um, but that's exactly what these, these early-stage funding vehicles are meant for, is to foster um, you know, that, uh, that public-private partnership to get these startups to a point where they're able to go out into industry and raise funding of their own. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe helping them be aware of that um, might in the long run help with the maturity of those startups and their business models and their ideas um, and bring a little bit of accountability uh, into you know, some of these initiatives as well. Um, and we're seeing, we're seeing examples of I mean, New York is a, is a good example of that, for example, where um, they actually look at 
emerging areas. So, for example, digital manufacturing is one of the areas where you know they are trying to make sure that they create an environment where there's a lot of startup activity. Uh, but it's done within a time frame. It's done within a five-year time frame where the expectation is that within that five years, there will be so much of private sector involvement in that space that the government funding can then be directed towards other emerging areas. Uh, mm-hmm. So maybe that's, you know, that's, that's one example that we're seeing out there that seems to be working well. Thank you very much. Greg Tahan in Louisiana, what are you seeing in terms of helping the startups and then are they moving on when the money runs out or when they get very successful? Bye-bye, mom and dad. What are you seeing? So we're seeing, uh, I, I point to New Orleans. Um, specifically, New Orleans is, is an interesting um, case for, well, all sorts of reasons. But focusing on, on one point, New Orleans right now has one of the largest concentrations of Teach for America teachers in the country. Yeah. And, and what you're seeing is, uh, the percentage of students within New Orleans, within charter schools, is in excess of 65-70%. There's, so there's nothing like it nationally. So there's a, there's a lot of great startup activity around education, because these are, these are Teach for America alums, these are people, these are uh, students and, and teachers who have moved to Louisiana and said, look, I want to stay here, I want to help New Orleans, um, and, and the state has some great resources around which we want to do. So we're seeing, we're seeing it, it, it was nascent, but now it is, it's, it's fully formed. It's, it's, it approximates kind of, you know, an ecosystem. And I, what I think what we're really trying to do is look at all of the things that Louisiana has historically been very good at, uh, per, you know, oil and gas manufacturing, mm-hmm. tourism, hospitality, and say, look, we have all this data. We've got all this, you know, we have all these resources. We have this industry knowledge. We have all this infrastructure built. If you are in these realms, if you are conducting business in these arenas, uh, there's a pretty good place to do it, and that place is here. Um, really, one of the, I think one of the biggest challenges for any state, much less Louisiana, is, you know, you, you talked about the gravitational pull of California, uh, you know, mm-hmm. of, of Cambridge. If you're a biotech, you, you automatically just sort of move to Cambridge or, or New York, right? If you're a technology startup, there's no better place to be than uh, than Silicon Valley, which is which is sort of interesting in in my view, because for an industry that talks so much about innovation and disruption, it's still sort of you're still talking about moving in the same direction at all times, right? Yep. Um, uh, and, and so I, I just I think that again, it just goes back to just putting good policy in place and being very supportive of those homegrown startups. And and I will say I don't know that there's anything that contributes more to to great startup cred than having a, a startup that really hits it big uh, and, and yes. they choose to grow that and stay home. And that's think, the point. I, yeah, I think that signifies right away that, look, it can be done here and you can do it too. That's the point. I would like to take a break unless anybody wants to continue. I'm going to give you all a one-minute break if that's okay. And when we come back, I'm going to ask the panel to look ahead five years from today. If we were to meet again, and I certainly hope we do, gentlemen, and we had the same exact topic, what would we be saying? Would it still be an issue in terms of some governments being more startup friendly and some being more startup hindering in terms of what is the concentration of capital for high growth startups, the encouragement, the collaboration, the resources, everything we've been talking about? What will we be talking about five years from today? Let's do that break really fast. One minute. Mike, take us out. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. We'll be right back with our roundup. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. 
Voice America Business Network. In today's globalized world, the competition for customers and marketplace has never been fiercer. Emerging technologies, especially those like big data, can help level the playing field and enable everyone from established enterprises to nimble startups to radically change the status quo. The bottom line, if you embrace technology, you can innovate your way to success. Big data is changing the way we live our lives and do business. Learn how with Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. You're listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Startup Focus with Game Changers. Here we are, and it's time to take a future look and see what would our topic be like five years from today. Topic is startups to governments. Quote, if we're listening in, what have you done for us lately? And I might add a caveat to that. So what are you going to do for us tomorrow? I'm speaking with Greg Trahan from the Louisiana and Economic Development, Tom Souter at MobileGov, and Mark Narona at SAP Startup Focus Program. Let's look at the future. Greg Trahan, take us in, please. Sure. Uh, so one point I would make is, you know, there's an old saw, uh, and Tom works a lot with the federal government, that sort of, you know, there's the Pentagon, it costs kind of $500 for a hammer. And, and I think a lot of people just sort of brush that off as some understood tale of government waste and expense. And I think, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see, start seeing actual demand on ROI. Uh, as transparency just becomes something that we were familiar with, with data, right, it's all around us. Uh, I think you're going to see that demand coming from governments and ROI and, and policies and, and things like incentives that really speak to are you, are you producing and are you delivering on what you said you were going to do? Forget the intention. Is it really delivering? Uh, and and I, think that, I think that governments are, are – some will be resistant to do that. The others who do it out of necessity will find that it's probably the, the most productive way. And, and I think states, communities, local governments, economies will, will, uh, can only flourish under that kind of situation. Great. Appreciated. Thank you. And let's turn to Tom Souter at MobileGov. Future, five years from today, what do you see in your crystal ball? Tom, go. Well, just to go off Greg's comments, I think that the budget crisis and that kind of thing is actually a very good thing. It makes you relook at your portfolio. What am I really spending my money on? And we've already seen a lot of that starting to happen. And large companies and many times can't provide these kinds of solutions. You need innovation. You need change. You need the Amazons of the world. And I am very optimistic about small business and the fact that the barrier for entry to be a small business is so much lower than it used to be. You don't need servers. Mm -hmm. It it was such a ramp-up period. So I think there's going to be more and more innovation, and, um, you know, I'm very optimistic. Good. We like optimism. I like it a lot. And let's turn to Mark Narona from SAP Startup Focus. Mark, what do you see five years from today? What will we be talking about? I think I'd echo both, uh, you know, uh, the comments uh, that they've made just now. Um, and I feel that we're seeing so many, there's almost like a government startup 1.0 uh, going on mm-hmm. right now across the planet, whether it's Chile, whether it's 
you know, the U.S., whether, uh, you know, Mexico, there's all, there's all sorts of early-stage public-private partnerships going on. Um, and five years from today, I think there's going to be a lot of learning as to how do you make these successful? How do you make them transparent? How do you make them generate revenue and jobs? Um, how do you bring that culture of innovation into the government? There's going to be successful models that other governments can uh, learn from and implement. Um, so we're going to see that speed of partnership accelerate. So just like Greg, very optimistic about the future. Good. I'm glad. Let's cover a little more territory. I still have a whole two minutes to cover with you, and I'm not going to let it go. Question is, do you think we'll see a shift in the top nine countries that are supposedly, and I know we debunked that list a little bit, I think, earlier, the top nine countries that are startup favorable? We know the U.S. was not among them. I'm really not sure why. Uh, let's start with Greg. Just a quick look at the countries and the states in the U.S. Will we see Colorado emerging? Will we see Louisiana coming to the top of the pile? Will we see... Everybody running to Israel, which wasn't even mentioned on the top nine list. Greg, where will startups find the most friendly environment all across the board in the next five years? Quickly, and then we're going to turn to Tom and Mark. Go ahead, Greg. Sure. Well, I hope it's Louisiana, uh, but I'm perfectly <laughs> happy with any uh, with any other state. I, I just I think I think there are very significant differences from state to state and country to country, and I think uh, you know some countries are doubling down. I think on policies that are that are potentially adversarial. And uh, I think it's going to sort themselves out, but I don't think it's going to be the governments, right? It's always going to be the startups uh, who sort it out. So I, I, I think you will see some emerge, and, and we hope to be amongst them. Good, good, good. And Tom Suter, what do you think? We'll see a rebalancing of the countries and the states that emerge at the top of the startup-friendly list in terms of governmental support? I think that the governments that are, uh, you know, supportive of the business environment and uh, not going to ta- overtax them, uh, and be generally supportive and kind of stay out of the way of innovation. I think that would probably be the best way to describe it. And then provide an infrastructure. Uh, you know, I, I look at Kenya. They're providing a 4G network. Uh, you know, they're providing that kind of innovation. So the countries that are going to provide that infrastructure for innovation uh, are going to do well. I think the U.S. is going to be do well. I, I, I am optimistic about that. And uh, hopefully, uh, a lot of the states will learn from the best practices of the other states, but uh, I, I am optimistic from, about the U.S. Okay, good. And Mark, I can give you a 10-second response time. What do you think? Country, top of the list in five years, U.S. or not? Yes. Okay, good. I like that. Guess what? I have my predictions, and I'm going to speed talk through them because I wanted to hear all of you instead of me. Next Tuesday, Biz Buzz with Game Changers, Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific. will be live January 28th. Topic is the technological innovations of HCM human capital management. Next Wednesday on Coffee Break with Game Changers, 8 a.m. Pacific, we'll talk about the Social Engagement Index, Social Tools for Customer Service. Shout-outs and thank you to Greg Trahan, Tom Suter, Mark Narona. A shout-out to Get Well to Ayaz Kazi's family and... And shout out to Michelle Hickey, Tom Flanagan, Malcolm Kimberlin, and Mike Brad and the Business Channel team. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's your call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Signing off for another live edition of Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. 
To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. We'll be right back. 